Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. We talked to some mothers the other day, three mothers, who were very concerned that their daughters were student nurses and they were in placement um, uh, this year, again, obviously. And the hospital had basically told them, unless your daughters get vaccinated, you will not be going into placement this year as a student nurse. At a time where we need all hands on deck, we're essentially saying we don't want student nurses if you conscientiously object to, or for whatever reason, don't get the COVID-19 vaccine. And at the time, I'm going to just read at the end of the letter that was given to them by the HSE, students are, that are eligible for vaccination that have been offered the vaccine and declined the vaccine should not be assigned to clinical placements in the HSE facilities. This this may be reviewed and an epidemiological uh, situation evolves. In other words, as things get better, I suppose, maybe they'll review it again. But they said only in exceptional circumstances that they would personally investigate. Now, we asked for a statement for the HSE. I'm not going to bother reading it all out. It's three pages. And it's all absolute and utter nonsense that we've already spoke about on the show, talking about how dangerous COVID-19 is, how much the spread of it is, infectious. We know all that. I don't know why the HSE respond with these massive long statements. The bottom line is, they said the HSE has made a distinction between final year student nurses who are uh, rostered as part of the workforce and who are essential to the delivery of care and other students who are there to learn rather than deliver care. In exceptional circumstances where there is specific and documented medical contradiction to the vaccination for the healthcare student and an individual risk assessment should be performed by the Higher Education uh, Institute to determine if a suitable placement can be designed that minimises risk to the patients and the students. In other words, they're saying exactly the same thing again, they're just saying it in a long away. Uh, you're not going to get a placement unless you're vaccinated. Now, it was raised in the dull uh, by Padder Tobin from Aintu, and he joins me on the line. Padder, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you. Uh, well, look, there's a few issues on the table today, Padder. This being the one that we spoke about the other day, actually about four or five days ago, you raised it in the doll yesterday. At first, I thought it was a fake letter, to be honest with you, from the HSE. We had to kind of look at it twice and think, is this real? Because you never know nowadays. But the HSE clearly are saying that student nurses won't get a placement unless they're vaccinated. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible situation. Um, and it's another flip-flop from the government because the government had stated that they opposed mandatory vaccinations initially. And here we have uh, mandatory vaccination by uh, other means. So, you know, it's, it's a very critical issue for students because students have been told, you know, participate um, in this vaccination program or you won't be able to continue on uh, your career. With, with your placement and therefore your career. Um, so, you know, I was speaking to a, a student who is phenomenally pressurized and stressed and is not sleeping at night. She's watching the television. She sees what's happening in Canada. She sees what's happening in Germany. Um, two countries that have uh, suspended the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine. And here the HSE is saying, you know, you must take the AstraZeneca vaccine or kiss goodbye to uh, your career, in which they've already invested a significant uh, element of their lives to try and achieve. Um, so, you know, I raised this in, in the doll yesterday. I said to the government, you know, the idea of browbeating people uh, to take uh, a vaccine uh, is incredibly uh, wrong. First of all, it's shown to backfire in countries where they do this. It builds resistance if you want to achieve, you know, high vaccination rates. And also creates a, a two-tier citizenship. It means that a, certain citizens are entitled to certain freedoms and other citizens are not entitled... But Shamil Omar was doing that himself with his speech the other night. He said at the end of June, and I'm quoting him, he said, I'm not directly quoting, paraphrasing, there will be additional freedoms for those vaccinated. 
I know. I, and I, I, and I, I think I, that's very disappointing as well. I, I, and by the way, I am pro-vaccination. I want to be clear about that. But I, there are people out there, for whatever reason, who don't, who may be cautious, I don't know, whatever they want to do themselves, who don't want to get it. And I don't think those people should be discriminated against because of that. Yeah, we, we, we believe that vaccinations are probably the most likely uh, tool that will be able to achieve the objective of getting the country open. And it is the paramount objective of aim to to get the country open. Um, But we we do believe that there are fundamental human rights at at stake here. You know, the issues of equality, non-discrimination, freedom of of, of movement, privacy in terms, you know, of health treatment, the right to be able to uh, determine what you inject into your own body, um, these well, that's, well are... that's, that's in the Constitution. And let me just pick you up on something you said earlier, Potter. So you talked about people's constitutional rights. Um, and although a private company um, could probably turn around, be it a restaurant or a bar or an event or a gig or whatever, or an airline could say to you, listen, we're not letting you in unless you're vaccinated. That's, that should be, that'll have to be tested in law, right? But clearly this is the state. The HSA, of course, has belonged to the state, run by the state. According to the Constitution, you can't force medical or coerce medical intervention into somebody. So, realistically, is it even constitutional for the state to insist that somebody is vaccinated? Well, it's, it, like, it's incredible. I asked the Taoiseach also yesterday. I said, Taoiseach, you said that as of now, uh, adults or families who are vaccinated can actually meet each other inside. And I said, I welcome that fact. But I said, are you going to police it? If you're going to police it, how, what are the guardians going to do? Are they going to ask? Are they going to go in and demand evidence of people's uh, health records? Mm. Um, and, of course, the Taoiseach, being the, uh, the, 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 the politician that he is, didn't answer that question. And I'm amazed that, other than yourselves, very, no other actual media organization has picked up on this because this is a critical issue. Um, you know, the, the government is starting to lay out a, what they call a vaccine bonus argument, mm-hmm. but one that we don't know how exactly it's going to be enforced or if it's going to be enforced and then how invasive I, I is th- going I, to be the policing of it. I just think we're heading down, I'll come back to the, the, the HSE in a second, but I think we're heading down a very dangerous road where, say, somebody like my producer, Ashling, who's 35 years of age, who's not due to be vaccinated probably till the end of the year sometime, and won't enjoy these inverted commas freedoms that he's talking about in June and that's through no fault of her own it's not because she doesn't want to be vaccinated for example in her case um, she she won't enjoy these the idea that we're pitting people against each other those who are vaccinated and those who are not vaccinated uh, like somebody the other day who was uh, onto us who was selling wristbands for people to show they'd been vaccinated I said this is like something we did, you know, back in history where we divided people or shamed people or almost said to people, oh, we don't want you in here. You're not a vaccinated person. I mean, what are we, bells around next, next? Is that is that going to be the, the next thing? I, I just feel we're heading into a very dangerous territory. I agree. Listen, uh, citizenship um, should uh, determine the rights that we have within the society. There should never be a two-tier citizenship. Nobody should be discriminated against uh, in this country, and vaccination passports do that. Um, and the idea that you would introduce a vaccination passport when you know millions of citizens can get the bleeding vac- vaccine is you know a kick in the teeth to those people who have already suffered a phenomenal amount o- o- over the last year. And just one other issue, if I can, around the students. Um, one particular student I spoke to uh, actually had uh, COVID before. So she has the antibodies. Yeah. She, is, she has been vaccinated by nature. Yeah. She is immune. Um, so the, the determination at the HSC are saying that she has to get 
vaccinated with AstraZeneca. It's purely a box-ticking exercise. It has no practical value whatsoever. And, and, and most experts will agree that getting COVID-19 is far more effective, and not that I encourage people to get it, is far more effective than getting a vaccine. I mean, the experts agree on that, particularly for young people. And um, this so, opens up a massive question as well, that if we have hundreds of thousands of people with these antibodies, surely the government should be working out who those people are voluntarily, and then, you know, saying, well, these people don't need the vaccine right now. We should, we should be able to, you know, focus the mm-hmm. administration to those who are in need and actually build up far more efficiently a herd immunity than actually revaccinating people who have already got okay. the antibodies. In, okay, just finally in relation to the HSE, and they've given us a statement again acknowledging this is the situation, unless mm-hmm. you know you have a severe medical contradiction, you have to get vaccinated. Where do you think this is going to end up? Because in fairness, Michal Martin himself said he didn't probably agree with it or suggested he didn't agree with it, but the HSE are going ahead and done it anyway. I, I think this is going to head up where the government are going to brazen it out. Uh, in my experience, uh, the only um, leverage that sometimes politicians like myself have in, in the end of the day in trying to get justice for people is to try and build up a head of steam in the media um, by which the government can't ignore. The pressure comes on so, more, so much that they have to actually act. And because most of the establishment media are not touching this, I think the government are going to brazen it out, unfortunately. And I think uh, mm-hmm. on, you know, some of these students are, are, are going to suffer uh, as a result. Okay, a few other things just before you go. Um, firstly, of course, I'm assuming that as a Christian, you're deeply disappointed uh, that uh, mass goers won't get to celebrate and worship this weekend, which is the biggest celebration of Christianity of the year. Um, it, was there no... There was no suggestion, even seemingly by Neffet, that they might even give them the weekend at fifty people in a church. Is that disappointing you? Like I, I tell you, like it's just it's it, it's incredible how woke the doll has gone. There's TDs in the doll now who won't even mention this human rights. Now remember, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights states that the practice of religion is a human right. Now the opposition benches are full of TDs that you know will will hold a fist in the air for people's human rights. But on this particular human right, because they're so woke, they are sheepish and shy and embarrassed to actually mention this particular human right. Uh, and unfortunately, this is not, you know, other than Aintu and a couple of... Well, other, I know Declan Ganley has a case in and, the High and, Court as well. Well, this is it. A handful of people. Mm-hmm. You know, the churches are the biggest buildings in the country, uh, in most towns. Um, you know, we have Aldis and Littles, you know, doing business opposite in buildings that are far smaller in which 20, 30 or 40 people are buying chips and ice cream and wine, as they as they're should be entitled to do. But within the actual church themselves, um, the, the, the government has basically said you can't have celebrations for Easter. Now, remember this. Ireland is a radical outlier in terms of this particular restriction. We are in an infamous group of, uh, group of nations with North Korea and Saudi Arabia that have fully banned religious uh, worship uh, and religious practice uh, at this time. Uh, and the, the Fianna Fáil uh, government have said that along with visits to museums, this may return in late May. Now, I think visits to museums are very important and I encourage people For to do From a it. tourism point of view, yeah. But what the government is doing is they're equalising the human right of practice of religion with a visit to a museum, which shows an incredible distance between okay. the government and millions of people uh, who practice uh, religion in this country. Okay, and generally, uh, the speech he made the other night, nothing really happened. Um, it seems that, you know, living with COVID plan level one, two, three, four, five has gone out the door. Uh, also gone out the door, of course, is the vaccine criteria. Now we're doing it by age. 
So two questions. Disappointed with the with obviously like everybody, you're probably disappointed there weren't some relaxations of the restrictions like the five K. And also are you are you disappointed that they've moved it to age or do you think I Thinking moving it to age is probably the only good decision the government has made in the last ten years. Well, well, well first of all, we do we are disappointed that the government didn't further relax. Like for example, um, cancer services. Now, I made the argument that twenty four people will die of cancer today. Yet the government won't fully reopen cancer services until the end of the year. Uh, I've made the argument that 79 people in Dublin alone died of homelessness. Well, I, I know Bill Tormley was uh, from Beaumont Hospital, uh, Professor from Beaumont Hospital, uh, was in the papers there today talking about the fact over the next three years how many people will die from cancers and other illnesses that are non-COVID related due to lockdowns. Big style. So there's going to be a radical increase in advanced cancers as a result of late diagnosis and late treatment because of government's decisions. And that will start to wash through the system uh, in, in, in the next number of years with, with unfortunately, massive numbers of mortality and morbidity. Um, but that the housing crisis, right now, you know, a, a, a chippy or a sparky or a plaster can't go to a single building uh, in, out in the middle of the fresh air and work on on that building to get houses and homes into a country that's suffering from a housing crisis. That's absolutely bananas. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with regards to the flip-flop on the issue of, um, of, of the administration of vaccines, I think this is, this is at the heart of what's wrong with the government's approach. So, in other words... Um, it's not a bad idea, Panner, because well, well, I, well, I, when all, you look at it, we've already vaccinated the over-80s. Okay, well, practically all done now. The residential care people on the front line, of course, in, in, in the hospitals, doctors and nurses. And those, hopefully, with underlying illnesses, no matter what age they are, should all be dealt with next. After that point, and after we've done those, they're the risk categories. Surely it should be by age, because although I'm not really at risk... I'm more at risk than a 25-year-old guard or a teacher. But the point I would say here is there is a, the, the government are contradicting themselves. The government has spent the last year in saying that action and movement are the biggest threats in relation to this. So in other words, they have, they have said to those young cohorts that uh, you must remain fully locked down in your society because actions and movements are the biggest risk. Now they're actually saying that actions and movements are actually not the biggest risk. Risk is on the basis of age. So for a, a, an SNA who is uh, teaching children, let's say, with special needs, who maybe won't, wouldn't be able to um, socially distance, or for a Garda who's arresting people in the middle of a riot, um, or for a carer on whom someone else's life fully depends on, what the government is saying is that your actions and movements are not actually part of the criteria. Yeah, but I, but I think to be fair, Pat, and maybe we disagree on this, I think to be fair, most of those people are not elderly people. Most of those people are not people in their 50s, 60s and 70s. So when we're going by age, I mean, it's quite clear from the data from COVID-19, it doesn't matter if you contract it, it's how your body reacts to it. And sadly, the older you are, your body reacts worse. So well, realistically, age is the main factor. I mean, I, I'm interested yesterday, by the way, in the Irish Independent, Eilish O'Regan mentioned as well that members of the travelling community and the Roman community uh, will get priority when it comes to the vaccinations. And well, that's going to upset a lot of people too. Well, first of all, I, I will agree with you that age is the, 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 the factor with regards individual risk. But with regards societal risk, the argument that the government has put forward was that the more individuals who contract the illness and spread the illness created the pressures on the system, which created the lockdown, which created uh, the restrictions. So, so the government are, are, are now contradicting themselves. But can I just say this? The reason the government changed is not because of the science per se, the reason the government changed is because they never had a centralized database of patients. And I've been raising this for the last three or four months. So, in other words, 
they have been delivering the vaccine on the basis of GP lists and consultants lists. And, you know, not everybody were on those lists. Some people were on those lists, on both lists. People were falling between the stools in some places. And in other places, people weren't turning up. In, in other words, there's 500 different sources where all these names are coming exa- from. Exa- yeah. Exactly. And as a result, the whole system is becoming unwieldy and, and, and wasn't working. And because the government didn't get it together to put through a, a centralised patient list or a database over the last six months, they were forced to flip here. Now, a centralised database uh, for patients is bloody well needed in the health service anyways. And that's one of the, like, the, the health service, we say we're a, a tech island in this country, but the HSC is a tech desert. Well, it we just, well, it just, it just got to show you that over, we've had nearly a year and a bit now at this stage, we're completely unprepared, which, I mean, Absolutely. it was quite obvious we were going to need this, you know, this kind of technology when it came to, because vaccines, of course, were always going to be the key out of something like this. And we're not prepared. We weren't prepared when it came to create more ICU beds. We're still not prepared when it comes to our, the HSE dealing with any, you know, influx of people who may have COVID-19. We're just not prepared. We're never prepared. Uh, but Incom- Incompetence is the driving force of government policy at the moment. You know. Uh, okay, but then, okay, finally, because I have to wrap it up because I need to go into that. But in, somebody just texted in here. How would Padder have done it differently the other night when he stood up on the steps if he was the leader? Okay, well, Padder, how would you have done it? I mean, would you well, just turn around and open everything up again? First of all, our arguments for the start were protect the nursing homes, increase capacity with, within the health service, uh, all Ireland, um, uh, make sure you have proper all Ireland uh, cooperation, make sure you protect um, the, the airports and people coming in with, the, with regards uh, variants. And we would have um, procured vaccines in addition and outside of the EU supply chains, first and foremost. But yes, we, we believe we have to live with this illness. Okay, so in other words, you would have, it would have, I mean, and I watched a great interview the other night with the mayor of Florida, or the governor of Florida, and they, they talked to different professors and such, such, such and such, and they talked about the idea that if you look at all the states in America that did different types of restrictions and different types of lockdowns, um, the ones that didn't do the lockdowns, like, say, Florida and Iowa and a couple of Texas and a few others, actually fared off better than the ones that did do the lockdowns, because they said a bad lockdown, which is essentially what this is, because you're always going to have people complacent, uh, basically uh, is a slow version of letting it rip. Look, can I make one point? And, and, and the, very little of the media is asking the government this question. Ireland's approach to lockdown is a radical outlier in European terms. No other country, in world terms. In world, like, absolutely. And no other country is locking down as severely and uh, for the as length long. we are. And, you know, we are multiples of lockdowns in other countries. So, you know, the question needs I, to be and, asked, yet, and yet our deaths per million are pretty much the same, if not worse than many other countries. For sure. So okay. it, it's been no, no, no benefit, benefit in whatsoever. terms of, of, okay. of fatalities and, and morbidity, unfortunately. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed, Pater Tobin uh, from AIN2. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.